This evening, uh, the passage I think the Lord laid on my heart, I'm going to take a look at uh, Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. I'm going to go ahead and read that. And I kind of named, I named the study, or the, the message tonight, Able to Carry That Which Once Carried Me. Am I able to carry that which once carried me? I'm going to go ahead and read Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. I have to take off my uh, glasses. Someday I need bifocals, but I, I don't have them uh, this evening. Okay, Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together, so that there was no longer room to receive him, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then many came to him, bringing a paralytic, oh, I'm sorry, then men, then they came to him, bringing a paralytic, who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when, so when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. So they had this bed, and it was like a, like a mattress, you know, probably four strings, four big guys, and they tore through the roof, and they lowered it down into the presence of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Son, your sins are forgiven. And some of the scribes and the Pharisees were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier, which is e easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Arise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has the power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose, he took up his bed, and he went out in the presence of them all, so that they all were amazed, and they glorified God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Amen. So this is an interesting story. It said in verse 1 that Jesus actually entered the house, and he kind of wondered, Okay, whose house is this? If you go back to chapter 1 in your, in your quiet times, we can assume that it's probably Peter's house. He was in Peter's house a little earlier, and what did he do in Peter's house? Does anybody remember? Peter's mother-in-law, yeah. He took her by the hand and he raised her up because she was sick. She was sick with a fever. And apparently she was so sick, she needed assistance, of course. The Lord walked over and healed her and raised her up. So we, we assume it was Peter's house that, that he was in. But what, what was he actually doing in Galilee? Anybody take a shot or you don't, you don't have to say anything. You give, me a, give me a look, I guess. He, was, he, he began his earthly ministry in Galilee. That's what the experts say. So he just got, he was, he just, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was baptized by John in the, in the Jordan River. Then he was tempted by the devil. He went out in the wilderness for 40 days. So he just returned. Then from there he went to Peter's house. And then from there, I'm going to go ahead and read a couple of verses in chapter 1. I think I have my notes here. I better go to my notes. It's easier that way. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee. This is Mark chapter 1, verse 14. 
Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying, The time is fulfilled, the time is at hand, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So right away, he's starting his earthly ministry, preaching and proclaiming the gospel of Christ, who he is and what he's done. So he's in the house, and it's just, uh, it's just amazing how this, how this starts out when he's in the house. Go back to a verse here. It said, uh, said verse, verse 2, it said, So many people had gathered in the house that he began to preach the word to them. I kind of I like what, what Jesus did here. He waits till everybody's in the house. In fact, he paused and he waited till the house was, full, was filled with people. When in fact, everybody's in there, then he starts to preach the word to them. And I thought that was kind of neat how the Lord, how the Lord kind of says to me, George, you need to, you need to be ready. You need to position yourself. Get ready for the Lord to speak. And when he speaks, I need to hear what he has to say, and I need to listen. And he waits for everybody to get ready. Then he starts to preach the word to them. And it, it's, it's kind of awesome how, how the Lord kind of allows those things or sets those things up. He's waiting for us to be ready so he can preach the word to us. And he always has something to say. And it's always at the, at the, you know, the, the times when I, I don't need to hear it, but I really do need to hear it, is when he speaks the most and has the most impact on me. So I like what Jesus did here. He waits for everyone to get, to get seated, situated, then he preaches the word to them. And I just, you know, okay, what word is he preaching yeah, I mean, he's preaching the word to them. And it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, the word is sharper than any two-edged sword. We, we kind of know that. But I'm just reading a couple of verses here, what I wrote down. Romans 1.16. This is uh, Paul was saying, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, first the Jew and also the Greek or the Gentile. James 1.21 Again, referring to the word. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness, being so humble, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. He's preaching the word to them. And I think I need to hear the word on a daily basis so it can affect me and change me. And I, saw, I also like this one too. Acts 20.32 So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of God and to the word of his grace, which is able to, to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are being sanctified. The word is able to build us up and to edify us and to make us strong. The more word I get in me, the stronger I am. It's kind of a, a simple formula, but it works. And I know when I'm, I'm not in the word, you know, when I face the daily challenges, I'm weak, and I just don't have the victory like I should. So it's, it's pretty amazing. Then the... Uh, Continue in verse 2. Then all of a sudden, immediately they gathered to him so many that there was no longer room to receive him, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. Then they came, then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. Now, this is interesting. These four men, I, can, I think we can learn something from these four guys who, who are carrying the paralytic. In, in the Greek, the uh, paralytos is basically a paralyzed person. We don't know what his, his condition was, but we believe, obviously, he cannot walk. So he's, he's probably in a lame position. He, he, needs, he needs assistance. And I just think of, 
uh, the relationship he had with these four guys. And I, I think, you know, friends are so important. We went out to the boardwalk uh, last weekend for lunch, a couple people in the church and I. And, uh, um, Tra- Tracy was sharing with us, you know, Tracy, her, her mom just passed away. But she was sharing with us how she's experiencing the, the, uh, the, the great peace of, that passes all understanding. And just at the moment, she has so much peace and joy in her heart that the Lord had given her that she was able to, able to you know, make it through the time, a really hard time. And she's all alone. And I just, it, it really affected me. And it, it, it kind of ministered to me, like, wow, it really does work. But sometimes it only works when you're going through the rough time is when you experience his power and his grace. So it's just some friends are there to share these things with you. Now it's a witness, but to share them, share them with you. And I think I give Rick a hard time, too. But friends are so important. How many times has Rick, have we, you know, gone out to dinner? And what do we do? We, we fellowship together. We pray together. You know, I confess my sins to one another with Rick. And, and we pray about them like, you know, men, you know, like as iron sharpens iron, we can encourage each other. So friends, especially Christian friends, are so important. They hold us accountable. They pray with us. They, you know, they talk to us. You know, just the whole aspect of having good friends. Not just friends, but I want people that are transparent, that, that I can be myself with. You know, that I can, that these four guys that carried him, they knew, they knew his condition. And they were unabashed. You know, they were not bashful about it. And that they knew his condition. They knew where he was. And they knew where to, where to get help for him. And they knew who, who could help him. So they were willing to take him to the place where he could get help. So friends, it's so important to have people that really know you and know everything that's going on inside of you. And sometimes you may have a friend that you're carrying. <laughs> and if you're carrying a friend... Literally and figuratively, if you ever try to carry a friend, his burdens. I know we all have family members and friends, and we try to, we try to help them. We try to carry them. We we can't live for them. We can't die for them. And so all of a sudden, it's a burden to carry them. You know, you try to bail them out of. They get in trouble. You try to bail them out again. You try to pay their debts. It comes to a point where, I, I like what these guys do. They come to a point. Where they lower, what this, I like what they do. They lower this guy down into the presence of Jesus. They lower him into the presence of Jesus. They turn him over to Jesus, and they walk away and they get out of the way. Now the man is in the presence of Jesus, and it's up to him and Jesus to take care of things. You know, sometimes you, I, sometimes I have to lower those friends of mine into the presence of Jesus and leave them there. <laughs> so how many times in my life have I enabled someone, or you know? or try to enable someone, and it just doesn't work because you have to keep going back and doing the same thing over and over again. So it's important for me to, you get to the point where I just have to let go. I have to pray for them, of course, but I have to let go and walk away and let them, let them handle it, you know, with the Lord one-on-one. And that's sometimes that's the only way they can, that can work that way is that I let go and let them deal with it on their own. So I have to leave them, let them into the presence of Jesus and let them stay there. So these are four good friends. I, I want to have friends like that. So they did their job. You know, I can't get mad at those people that, that have left me or the people that walk away that are no longer in my life. Sometimes the people come in for a season. You know, I have friends for a season. They do something. You know what they do? 
But these guys did the most important thing. They provoked him to get to Jesus. They provoked the man to get to Jesus, and they brought him to Jesus. And they left him there. <laughs> well, it's good because he's in the presence of the Lord. You know, I wish I could do the same if I could provoke myself and friends to get to Jesus. They provoked him to get to Jesus. Then they, um, the, the houses that were built back in those days, apparently they were built out of stone and brick, and they had a stairwell or a staircase going up the side. So what these four men on the stretcher, they carried him up to the roof, and they actually dug a hole in the roof, and they lowered him down into the presence of, uh, of the Lord. And I thought that was kind of interesting, that sometimes objects are obstacles. You know, they said they couldn't get to him because of the crowd of people. And sometimes the crowd of people can be an, ob uh, an obstacle or an object. And I don't want to let objects prevent me from getting to Jesus. So they didn't let him get to Jesus. Remember, um, remember Zacchaeus, the story of uh, Zacchaeus? Remember, he was short in stature. But that didn't prevent him. He wanted to see the Lord. He knew the Lord was coming. So what did he do? There was a crowd of people in front of him. He couldn't get through. He, he had to climb a sycamore tree. So even Zacchaeus didn't... What was not limited by his, his, his condition or whatever. Don't let anything prevent you from getting to Jesus. And that's what these guys did. There was a crowd of people there. They climbed up on the roof. They tore a hole in the roof. And they let him down into the presence of the Lord. So I can't let objects or obstacles prevent me from getting to the Lord. Getting to Jesus. So it's, it's so important that I do that. And it's never... Okay move on here <laughs> so anyway verse uh, moving on to verse 3 or verse 4 now and I, I like this I have to take my glasses off for this going back okay and when they could not come near to him because of the crowd that they uncovered the roof where he was so that they had broken through and they let him down to the bed on which the paralytic was lying Okay, then, then they're right in front of Jesus in the presence of, of Christ. And Jesus saw their faith, and he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. And I, I like that Jesus saw their faith. And the Greek word in that is I do. I do, E-I-D-O. It's something uh, like a, a scared bachelor should say when, on his wedding day, something he should say that. But, but this is as a different meaning, I do. He said, it carries a sense of really knowing, deeply knowing. Now, Jesus really, he sees them, he observes them, but he really knows that they're practicing the type of faith that I want. They're really, um, they're really exercising or practicing the type of faith that Jesus responds to. And he sees their faith, and they're demonst he sees that they're actually demonstrating the type of faith that pleases him, that the Lord will respond to, and he, he rewards that kind of faith. And I... I kind of have to look at myself am I demonstrating the type of faith that that works that the Lord needs or for me to live on a daily basis am I exercising that kind of faith okay I believe the Lord I, I trust him I believe he died for me but am I actively trusting him on a daily basis for all you know for everything you know I, lo I love some of the um, some of the words for faith you know the word uh, dependence you know the root word is appendere Pender, you know what that means? It's the Greek word for pendulum. And it literally means to hang from. Do I, have the, do I have the type of faith that literally I can hang from the Lord? I can hang everything on him. And I can trust him like that. 
You know, I'm always asking myself, I, I love the verse, uh, Romans 10:17. faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of the Lord, hearing by the, the word of God. And another word is, um, that we hear a lot is confidence. You know, the root word of confidence is uh, fide, fide, which fide in Latin is faith. So if I have strong faith, I have strong confidence in Christ. So it's a confidence, a dependence on Christ, a daily active faith that I want to trust him for everything. I know he can provide. I know he's willing. <laughs> is he, I know he can. Well, just George, step out in that, walk in that, and he'll provide for everything I need. But I just have to step out in faith and trust him to do that. He is who he said he is. There's no, there's no doubt about that. And I, I like this. Is that Jesus calls him son. And I, th I think this is amazing. He said, son, your sins are forgiven. You know, the, the, whole, the whole theme of, of forgiveness in Christianity, that's the flamboyant grace of the gospel. Jesus forgives us of everything. His forgiveness is, is there. He forgives us of everything. But this is the first time in the story that he actually calls him son. Everybody names him by his condition. But Jesus, he seems to be more concerned about his position first than his condition later. So he, he, he builds a relationship with him. He comes to him, he sees their faith, and he can call him son. So he's more concerned, he wants that relationship with us to establish that strong relationship. Then he's going to work on the condition after that. We're going to take a look at that. And the Greek word, the Greek word for uh, forgiven is afeemi. Afeemi, I guess I'm not quite sure how to pronounce that, afeemi. It means to actually to send away, to take your sins are no more. I'm going to throw them away, I'm going to send them away. And I just, the whole theme of forgiveness, my sins are no more. He casts them deep into the ocean. And not that he forgets them, but he remembers them no more. And I love that, he sends our sins away. And I, <clears throat> I love, love this, that Jesus loves a broken, Jesus loves a broken man. A broken man can come to him and he loves him just the way he is. Jesus loves a broken man. And whenever Jesus loves a broken man, there will, there will always be a critic. We're going to see that. Whenever grace shows up, there's always criticism. It's something that just... There, there's uh, doctrines and uh, principles in the Bible. And one of those principles is... You know, the more I want to take a step in faith and get closer to the Lord, get closer to the Lord, or I attempt to grow in faith or, you know, repent more, or whatever I do to increase my faith, there's always opposition. The enemy sees that. He, he wants to do everything to discourage you and to say, no, I don't think so. He's trying to, you know, to knock you down, to uh, discourage you. He, he doesn't want you to have that joy and that victory, and he doesn't want you to be a witness you know, for him. So the enemy is going to do everything he can to try to trip you up. So even when Jesus loves a broken man, excuse me, uh, criticism will show up. And we're going to take a look at that in the next verse here. We're still in verse uh, 4, or going to verse 5 and 6. So when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, he said, Son, your sins are forgiven. And some of the scribes were sitting there, reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when, again, whenever God loves a broken man, there will be critics. <laughs> and don't worry about the critics. I'm sure in your life, when you, 
when you want to take a stand or be a witness or you know serve the Lord in some capacity or even if a great blessing or a healing has happened in your life or your family there's always going to be a critic yeah I'm sure yeah it's, it's it really happened to you I've never seen that happen before there will always be a critic but those haters and those critics in your life guess what they are paralyzed too <laughs> they're broken even worse than you are so it's just a great comforting that all the critics and haters in my life they're paralyzed too but you know I, I say that but the, the Lord is trying to tell me I want you to love those folks I want you to pray for them because they need me just as much as you do they need to be saved they need my love they need my forgiveness and restoration just like you do George George you're broken in so many ways but pray for them may, that they may come to me in faith as well broken dreams broken promises broken relationships the thing the thing that holds that held you back the place where you got stuck the thing that doesn't work or doesn't move anymore he loves broken people broken and bruised people and he can he can heal he can restore he can he can bring uh, he can like he did with Job remember Job even at the life the end of Job's life he restored twofold or twentyfold everything he had almost was it ten times as much I forgot the exact numbers on that I have to when you quote something reference something you want to be pretty accurate about that so it's the, 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 the parallel chapter to Mark chapter 2 is Luke uh, chapter 5. And I'm going to jump to Luke chapter 5 in a minute. You don't have to go there. I'm just going to read it, read it here. That these, these Pharisees and Sadducees, they're sitting there kind of waiting for Jesus to do something. Remember in the past in the synagogues, they're always waiting so they can catch Jesus, so they can trip him up for who he is. So they want to try to catch him or trip him up. Luke chapter 5 verse 17 now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law, the Sadducees, sitting by who had come out from every town in Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. It's funny that even these, even these guys, these critics, they, come, they seem to come out of the woodwork. They come out of the woodwork and they're everywhere. Just when, you, just when you take that step of obedience or you want to do a good job at work or you want to make, you know, make revows to your marriage or something like that to make something stronger, you know, the critics are going to come out of the woodwork and say, well, are you sure about that? I don't know. I've seen what you've done before, and I've seen you've messed that one up. And you're going to, you're, now you're going to take a stand. You're going to do it better. I remember what you did last week. That was you. Now you're going to be different this week. So the critics, they, they will be there. There's, there's no fighting that. And it seems like they come, they come out of the woodwork. And they're, they're there. They're at home. They're at work friends family especially at work I have a lot of people who say a lot of things many things I cannot repeat what they say George you say you're a Christian and you you listen to that joke or you told that story I remember yeah, a few years back when you when you got in trouble you did this and you were too honest about it and you know I'm human we I think we all are but immediately when Jesus perceived in in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves. Okay, verse 8. But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit, they reasoned thus within themselves. He said to them, Why do you reason these things in your hearts? Why do you think this way? And it's funny, these, these people can think this way about the Lord, but Jesus said, You don't have to think that way. You, you can think differently. It, it can be different. It can be different. 
He says, I, I, don't, I don't want you to think that way. Being a critic, always criticizing. Back in chapter 2, I think we're verse... Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Verse 6, he says, And some of the scribes were sitting there, and they were reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this one? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately Jesus, when he perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Arise, take up your bed and walk? And it's, I think Jesus, what he's doing right here, he's trying to link. I'm, I'm going to go back to Luke chapter 5 a minute. There's something, there's something amazing that Luke says about the story. He says that the, power, that the power of the Lord was with Jesus at the time to enable him to heal and to forgive. So what Jesus is doing here, I think he's linking up the power of forgiveness, the, the, the ability to forgive with the power to heal, to saying, to, to prove that to the, the Pharisees and the critics that he really is the son of God. You know, they say, who do you think you are blaspheming? Who can forgive sins but God alone? So he's trying to prove to them, he's going to prove to them, not only can I forgive sins, but I'm going to do something amazing. I'm going to do something an amazing, an amazing miracle to prove that I really am the son of God. So Jesus knows what he's thinking. Only Jesus Christ can can and does forgive our sins. He also has the power to heal and the power to restore and the power to rescue and the power to deliver from the inside out. Go back to Luke 17 or Luke chapter 5, 17. And in Luke, he says, and the power of the Lord was present for him to heal them and it was, and it was present there for him to heal them as well as to forgive their sins. And the Greek word here, the power is a dunamis, as we get a dynamite from. And it, that, that power, the, it, it's, the presence is with him to do that. And so the Pharisees will soon experience this, and they'll be amazed by it. But let, let's see what he does with this. So he says, go, go back to here, I'm going to take my glasses off again. Then he says, he says to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or, or is it easier to say, arise, take up your bed, and walk? But then he said in verse 10, but that you may know that the Son of Man has the power, the dunamis, the power on earth to forgive sins, he says to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house, and walk. Immediately he arose, took up his bed, and went out in the presence of them all. So they were all amazed, and they glorified God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. And I think probably the... So now he's able, he's able to carry that thing that once, that once had carried him. And probably the greatest test or the greatest proof of my salvation in the Lord or that great healing that I have is... You know, can I re relate to that thing in my life that didn't work before I met Jesus? Now, he's going to prove that to him. I, I like what he says. I'm going to go back to Luke. And I like the way uh, Luke, Luke words this, or the way uh, Luke says this. Luke uh, 5.25, he said, he said to the paralytic, He immediately rose up before them. He, he took up what he had been lying on. He took up what... He took up what he had been lying on. 
He took up what he had been lying on. The thing that was carrying me, I am now able to carry. The thing that was controlling me, I am now able to control. You know, I, I, I look at it. Uh, is my relationship with the Lord, does that change my relationship to alcohol? Does my relationship to the Lord, is it strong enough to change my relationship with anger? You know, do I still fire off at the cuff and yell at people and scream and holler like I, I, I did? My relationship with anger should be different now than it was before I met the Lord or before I, I got into his presence and he changed me. You know, my relationship with, with Jesus should change those things around me. You know, I want a faith that changes me. I want a faith that brings function to my dysfunction, that, that, that works in me in such a way that I'm, I'm different. You know, if it doesn't change me, then what am I doing wrong? I need to get into the presence of the Lord. I need to lower myself down into the presence of the Lord myself and turn myself over to the Lord, get out of the way, and let him work in me and through me. You know, this I, I love the story here. It has such great application. You know, I, I, have, to, I have to look at that. And if, if my relationship with Jesus does not change my relationship to that bed, that thing that I was carrying then I, I question my relationship to the Lord. You know, that those things should be changing, you know, that everything should be changing. They should be different than they were today as, as opposed to yesterday. You know, uh, the things that once controlled me, do, do I now have control of? You know, the things that, that once carried me, am I now carrying that thing, you know, that bed that once carried me? And I think... Um, Yeah, I, I think, you know, when there is an area, I, I like I like it says in First or Second Corinthians, I think the end of Corinthians says, it, it's time to examine myself. Sometimes I need to take time to examine myself and see what's on the inside. And sometimes having good friends, you know, that's what I love about the, the Word of Christ. It's like a mirror. It reflects what I should have on the inside of me. You know, not my faith, but the things on the inside of me, in my behavior, you know, everything reflects and mirrors what, what I should be doing from the eyes of the Word and the eyes of Christ, how I should be acting or, re, or uh, responding. And if, if, I'm not, if I'm not acting accordingly, and people observe me, they watch what you do and how you do it. If I'm not living the way I should, you know, good friends should be able to see that and get in my face. And it's funny, um, Kathy was sitting in the back of my car <laughs> a little while ago, and she saw some notes in the... In the <laughs> And notebook opened up in the back seat, and she said, "George, what is this? Are you writing a rap song?" And I, uh, I had some notes. I was, I was, I did, I did a lesson for uh, uh, Frankie a while back, and it was something about, you know, when, when the person gets up in your grill, up in your grill, kind of, that person gets in your face. Sometimes I, I, I was relating it to a story. I was, I was driving up I-95, and I got into a car accident. You know, the weather was so bad, I got up to the grill, into the grill of the car in front of me. So it's kind of relating to that how sometimes I can get in, or someone can get it up in my face, get up in my grill. Sometimes I need that. I need people to get in my grill and to say, George, what are you doing? <laughs> how are you living? You know, what's going on? How's your prayer life? You know, how's your time in the Word? Are you studying? Are you growing? And I need those people to get in up in my grill and to talk to me like that. You know, to love me, you know, tough love. It's, we all need that, tough love. It, it, it's hard sometimes. Uh, a funny story, 
I many years ago I, I, I drank a little bit. I don't drink anymore. This one thing <laughs> that no longer controls me. But I actually, I think the story has it. It's about the year 2001 or two, I guess. Anyway, I was coming from a men's group of all things, and I was walking through Circle. I left the men's group and I went into Circle Liquor and I got my little something. I got my little fix to go. I was <laughs> drinking at the time. I was going. I was walking through the aisle of Circle Liquor, and you know when you're in a place that you shouldn't be, <laughs> you're a little ashamed, you're a little embarrassed. You try to hide yourself. You know, try to pull your sweatshirt over, just try to look down, so no one sees me. What am I doing here? It's it's funny because someone did see me. I, I I heard my name off in the distance. I said, George, George, is that you? Oh no! So <laughs> it was another guy from the men's group who <laughs> who was dealing with the same thing I was dealing with. He he showed up in Circle Liquor. And he had his little his little package too, and he says to me, George, can you give me a ride home? I said, Yeah, sure. <laughs> Misery loves company. I says, Well, you got me. What can I do? But I, I look. You, you look back at those things, those situations, those uh, circumstances, those scenarios in your life where, you know, people, people put or the Lord puts people in your life to you know to get your attention. It's like George, what are you doing? You know, you shouldn't be here, and I, I see you. I'm watching what you're doing. So I gave the guy a ride home, and I, I went home, and I, I'll never forget that. Just that memory in, in my mind. But it was shortly after that that. Uh, that my sponsor, his name was Bill, he died of a massive heart attack. It was just sudden. He was a, a good friend of mine. And it kind of, it was a shock treatment to my system. And it was right after that I quit drinking. It's amazing how the Lord works. I quit drinking. He got my attention, but he also gave me the dunamis, the power to quit. It was all, all him. And, excuse me, he was leading, it was a, a Christian recovery group at the church, at, uh, Calvary Bible Church, which is now Mission Point. And what do you know, he passed on. All of a sudden, guess who took over the group for a couple of years? I did. <laughs> it kind of fell into my lap. But the Lord used that. And I remember a, a, a couple of people came to Christ through the study. We went to the, um, a couple of missions or uh, uh, men's retreats. People were touched by it. And it's just how such a great work that you know, the Lord can use in even, even a broken person like that. But, but sometimes I needed to be lowered into the presence of the Lord I need to turn myself over to him and get out of the way and let him have his way. And sometimes, you know, the Lord loves a broken person, but sometimes this person needs to be broken <laughs> from the inside out. And it hurts sometimes, but we all need a breaking a little bit. You know, sometimes, you know, if I can't get to the Lord, I can't break open the roof and get down to him. You know, the Lord just may break a few things in my life to get my attention. And sometimes that's how the Lord works. He does amazing things to get our attention to keep us on track and to keep us keep us there when we should be. It's amazing. I joined the Navy. Oh, that's another story. I don't want to go there. But I joined the Navy back in '83. <laughs> There's a few stories that I, I'll, I'll keep I'll keep them back where they where they where they were. But every ship I was on, every station I was in, there was always a, a Christian there, and I I I I couldn't refute that. There was always a Christian at every new base, every new ship I was on. And the Lord had someone there to get my attention. George, what are you doing? What are you up to? You, why did you go over that place the other night and have a few and do this and that? The next morning I wake up and there would be a Christian either in my shop or on the ship. Or I knew these people. They knew me too. And I couldn't, I couldn't run from it. The Lord, he always has his hands on you. He's always watching you, what you're up to. And it's just amazing. 
how how it works. And a um, how this guy was totally healed. I'll, I'll go back to go back to the end of uh, Mark chapter two. I like the a couple of the end verses. It says, uh, verse Mark two chapter ten. He says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He does. And he says to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, take up that thing you were lying on, that thing that was controlling you, and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and he went out in the presence of them all, so that they were all amazed, and they glorified God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. He has the power to forgive and the power to heal. And I can attest to that. He's healed some areas in my life. There's some areas that still need work. I still need to um, shake off the dust and I need to get into his presence and spend some time there. Not just a little time, a long time in some areas. But he's, he's doing that work and it's a process. We're in progress, as they say. And I just... Uh, I think I'm going to close here, but I want to close. There's a great verse in Romans 16.25. Romans 16.25. All throughout the Bible, he uses the word able. He is able. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and, and preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. He is able to establish you. He has the power he can heal you and he can help you carry that thing which carried you and he can change that thing in you which uh, controlled you or took control of you. He can break that and he can do that work in us. But sometimes I need to get into his presence and stay there a while to let him do that work in us. It's a process but it works and I can attest to that. So I'm going to close here and I'm going to go ahead and pray. So.